Thomas and doubting, right? We talked about the interaction between Jesus and some of his followers. You know, every time Jesus interacts with people, they have a reaction, they have a response, they have a way that, that they re-engage with Christ. Um, and Jesus is always inviting us and challenging us. It's an invitation and a challenge. Uh, I'm going to say something that you've heard me say before, and I keep saying it because I'm hoping it'll stick with us. Um, back in Mark chapter 1, the kingdom of God has come near, repent, and believe the gospel. So the kingdom of God comes near to us, something happens, God breaks into our day, into our time, he interrupts our normal processes, and then we are invited and challenged to repent and believe the gospel. That indicates some change and some action on our part, right? To repent is to turn around 180 degrees from the way that we're going and walk in the other direction with Christ. And here's another chance where the Lord breaks in um, to the lives of some of his followers in a beautiful and powerful way. We're going to take a closer look at it today. Uh, so let's just see if we can get ourselves in the headspace of where uh, some of these disciples were on the road to Emmaus, right? So they were probably in a place of feeling some loss. Maybe they were feeling a little bit directionless, you know? They, they had just seen some crazy things happen, and, um, you know, they've lost their friend. They've lost this light in their lives. They also had all these expectations of what Jesus was going to do. And now he's gone and they haven't seen him risen. We all experience loss in our lives. You know, we all experience challenging times. Uh, we go through periods of mourning and... Acknowledging and mourning our loss are vital steps towards recovering the strength and hope and life uh, as we go through it. So we ask the questions, you know, where do we draw our strength now? Um, how do we drink from that well that never runs dry? What will give the church strength for hostile and challenging times? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's... For all of us, not just the kids, you know. Scripture leads us into truth, comforts us, empowers us, shows us the way. Yesterday we had eight boys out there on Little Scutney and we gave them all topographical maps and compasses. And some of them clearly knew how to use a topo map and a compass. One kid tried to start his campfire with his map. Uh, <laughs> Another kid was following the arrow around on his compass like this, trying to figure out how we use this thing. You know, it's, it's kind of like scriptures, right? If we don't know how to use the scriptures, if we don't know what's in there, it's good to have a friend. It's even better to know where that friend lives. <laughs> you know, scripture is the standard and the guide for us. Um, scripture comforts, empowers. It tells us the Lord's will. Everything that we need for life and godliness and holiness is found in Scripture. We don't need to add to it. We don't need to take away from it. It's all there. So, these disciples, right? Um, they were probably expecting that, you know, Jesus was going to show up as king and victory and power and get rid of those pesky Romans and, 
and all this stuff. But Christ shows in taking on the form of a servant a very different path, doesn't he? Uh, in life, we are not promised that there won't be hard times, that there won't be suffering. What we are promised is Christ's presence and power with us through it. It's a very important distinction. Um, some people believe that when you become a Christian, all your problems go away. <laughs> By the, the chuckles, as I can tell, that it's, we know that that's not the case. But the beauty is that we are not alone in it. And we have power for holy living. And we have the presence of Christ with us for the road ahead, whatever that may entail. So the disciples were expecting something different, probably, from what happened. From their perspective, they probably thought that it was all over, and it was a failure, and they had followed somebody, and now he's dead. Um, <clears throat> Jesus. Dead. Never coming back. They had hoped, and they had prayed, and now what? You ever feel like that? You've hoped, and you've prayed, and now what? Seems like God disappears. Where did he go? What happened? They were going back to their lives. They were wondering if they had just wasted the last several years of their lives following a false hope. But through the scriptures, Jesus helps them to be able to see the plan of God. So Jesus meets them with invitation and challenge. Here's the question that needs to be in front of us all the time as followers of Christ. What is the Spirit of God saying to you, and what are you going to do about it? You know, it's a question that we ask in our personal spiritual lives. It's a question that we ask and will be asking as a church. What is the Spirit of God saying to us, and what are we going to do about it? So they're all headed to Emmaus, right? About seven miles away. They're walking and talking and debriefing about what happened. You know, there's probably shock and sadness and, and all this stuff. And then Jesus joins up with them and says, what's happening? What are you talking about? It's kind of reminiscent of the gardener, right? When um, Mary turns around, she sees Jesus, but thinks he's the gardener and she doesn't recognize him. Um <clears throat> I just have to think Jesus is internally chuckling right now, going, you just wait. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and they're like, are you kidding me? Where have you been? <laughs> Haven't you heard about all the stuff that happened this weekend? <laughs> it was a wild and crazy time. And the women said there, there were angels and there was no body. And some of us saw... The empty tomb, but no body, and they still don't recognize Jesus, even though he's right there walking with them and talking with them. So he begins to bring the word to them, and he opens up the scriptures to them, starting with the prophets and Moses and all the way through. You mean Jesus can be found in the Old Testament? It's consistent through the witness of scripture, the Old and the New Testament. It's not two different gods. I hear that a lot. <laughs> no, it's the same God. It's the same Lord, and he is revealed right at the beginning in creation all the way through. And Jesus is opening the scriptures to them. You know, and later on, we hear them say, we're not our hearts burning within us when he was opening up the scriptures. 
when we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, the Lord is able to quicken his word to us. Have you ever had that experience where your heart is burning within you? Can you resonate with that? Where the words are leaping off the page as you're reading. It's not some dry 2,000-year-old text. By the Holy Spirit's power, it's being brought to life. And you know that it's true, and you're drinking it in like water, like you haven't had a drink in days. It's true. The Word has power. So, seven miles of walking and talking later, they get close to the village, but they are having an experience that may not understand, but they don't want it to end either. So, they're like, we're almost there. This is almost coming to an end, but they implore him to stay with them. And so Jesus agrees. <laughs> and while he's there, he takes bread, he blesses it, and he breaks it, and he gives it to them. And they recognize Jesus in that moment, in the breaking of the bread, and then Jesus vanishes. <laughs> what? <laughs> they had this amazing experience where Jesus was very near to them. And they're like, it makes sense now. We knew something was really different about this guy. Our hearts were burning within us because we knew that he was opening the scriptures to us. And they realized that Jesus' real presence was made known to them then in the breaking of the bread. So a few things we take away. We mourn our losses in the present. We all have different reasons. We mourn our losses with the present. Two, we tarry with Jesus. You know, they asked Jesus to stay with them. They wanted to sit with him longer. There was more that they needed to know and to learn, and they needed to be close to him to be able to understand and to hear the truth of what he was saying. Don't just pray for 15 seconds when your eyes pop open in the morning. If that's all you get, that's better than nothing. However, <laughs> Carry with Jesus. Spend time with him in prayer. Spend time in the word. Let it soak in. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you, to reveal his truth to you. It's there. And if we invite the Holy Spirit into our reading of scripture and into our prayer, he will come. And it will come alive in amazing and beautiful ways. We cannot impart life unless we are receiving life, right? You can't pour something out of a pitcher that hasn't already been filled up. We have to be filled with Jesus before we can be sent out. We have to be filled with the Lord before we can represent the Lord to our children. You know, we have to be able to Walk with Jesus before we can invite our neighbors also to walk with him. Someone once asked Jesus, where are you staying? And Jesus said, come and see. <laughs> so Jesus always gives this invitation and challenge, come and see. And for each one of us, the invitation and the challenge are in just the right proportion for our personal encounter with him. 
So we need to see what Jesus is doing. And we need to go with him where he is going. So as we stay with Jesus, he plays the host, right? He takes the bread, he breaks it, blesses it, he gives it. That's his way. And I just think it's beautiful and very important that it is as he breaks the bread that they recognize him. You've heard it said, we walk by faith and not by sight. (laughs) These disciples had to see with their spiritual eyes before their physical eyes were opened. Jesus is saying, trust me. Trust my promises and my presence, even if you don't feel it. And he will be with us through all of the changing and challenging scenes in life. N.T. Wright says, um, <clears throat> and their eyes were opened. That little phrase, and their eyes were opened when Jesus broke the bread, is actually the same phrase that we see in Genesis when Eve took the fruit. And their eyes were opened. The first meal in the new creation is the opposite of what Christ has done here. And their eyes were opened. It is new life bursting forth. It is spring after a long winter. It is the renewal of all things. It's that new creation that is being launched and it will be completed at Christ's return. We're invited to tarry with Jesus. When we do, we will recognize him. We will be able to discern his voice from amongst all the others clamoring for our attention. And we'll be able to have the opportunity to discern and to follow. You notice that Jesus doesn't like blow their minds and astonish them into believing. He could have done some wild and amazing sign. He didn't. Step by step, he leads them. He opens the scriptures, and he draws them into believing. How do you have a sense that Jesus is drawing you today? Can you see him leading you? Can you look back and see him guiding you? Are you spending time with him in the word and in prayer and knowing his voice so that you can hear it? And when it's time to follow, you can. So we mourn our losses in the present. We tarry with Jesus. And then third thing, the disciples now live it out and walk it out. And we are invited to do the same. They know that he is alive. Jesus disappears. They run back to Jerusalem to be able to pour out Christ, because they have been filled up, because they have carried with him. So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you, and what are you going to do about it? How do we live the faith, even when sometimes we might feel distant from God, or we have big unanswered questions? Is it possible to have questions and still have faith? Yeah. We have scripture. We have the living word. We have the sacraments. 
We have the presence of Christ. We need the Holy Spirit. Jesus meets them in that upper room and he says, wait in the city until you receive power from on high. Uh, John Bloom from an article in Desiring God says this, when God ordains things to happen contrary to our expectations, those are times when we are tempted to doubt his word or lose faith and as a result lose sight of him. But not being able to see him doesn't mean he isn't there walking with us. We may not recognize him, and those are not the times to neglect the word. Rather, those are the times to spend hours looking, and that is where we will begin to recover our sight. So we mourn our losses, we confess, we hear the word of God, and then we have this invitation. Come, Lord, and make the bread and the cup the means of your grace. Let us tarry with you. We receive. And then we go, and we are sent out in the power of the Holy Spirit. We mourn our losses, we tarry with Jesus, and then we go forth by the Spirit. Father, thank you for the example of Christ. Thank you for the beautiful way that you meet with each of us, the way that you meet with different individuals that we have a record of in Scripture. How perfect it is are each of your meetings because you know each one better than they know themselves. And the same is true with us, God. May you meet each one of us. May you invite us into your resurrection. May you invite us to tarrying with you. Lord, I ask that you would give us each an insatiable hunger to read your word, pray, to worship, to spend time with you, that we would be able to clearly hear your voice, and with all that we are and all that we have, follow you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.